Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Situations to overcome. So usually when I'm when I'm talking with stakeholders or anybody else, it's it's a negotiation. By negotiation, I mean you are negotiating the landscape of other people. It's not about closing a deal or or anything like that. It's just what's really going on what's behind this and so i'm trying to suss out what is the situation that has you talking about this what's what's the difficulty you know what's the outcome you're after getting people to talk that through and and stepping away from solutions because the how is like the last thing i want to know about it's usually where people start but i'm like okay but what's the situation behind that so if we were to apply this this way of thinking to a an example where two departments are fighting over the roadmap and um, they both think that they're working on their incorrect things, um, and and each one has their own, you know, th- something in the back of their head that is telling them that they're working on the most important things, and they're conflicting. Um, there's a meeting, there's a blow up. How do you kind of use this way of negotiation tactic to actually align? Yeah. So getting down to what all of those pieces are, situation, resolution, or, you know, desired outcome. If we can get to people to state that clearly, there's nothing to argue about, right? My situation is inarguable. Uh, my desired outcome is inarguable. The same goes for any other person. And so once everybody can understand each other, then we can start to sort out, okay, which situation is more dire, more urgent, more whatever. Uh, that may or may not resolve it right there, but getting clear about where everyone is at is an important step because people are usually arguing about some detail that doesn't matter. Do you find that that normally happens when you're missing some level of a North Star vision or some guiding principles? So that always seems to be the case every time I, I hear it. It's like if we're having some type of fundamental disagreement, it's like usually either we're missing something that we're all striving toward together, and then maybe we're just disagreeing about maybe the best path to get there. But if we're missing that like North Star piece, we're naturally going to feel like we're working on the most important thing because then our sphere is only isolated to what we see directly in front of us. I'm kind of curious if that's what you're seeing. Well, it's definitely a part of it. If there are stakeholders involved, but they're not, you know, the top boss or whatever, you know, you you might also want to hear from them like, well, what is it? What is it we're really going after? What's that North Star if you haven't already identified it? And that's the like the ultimate desired outcome. And then it's, yeah, it's going back to, all right, well, how did these connect to that? Your desired outcome, does it even have anything to do with this North Star? Or is it a complete side quest here? (laughs) which then makes it very obvious, like, we're not doing that first. Uh, Yeah, clarity. I'd say clarity trumps fairness. Clarity trumps all kinds of stuff. I have a quote written down, and it was somebody said it the other week, fair is what you take your kids to. (laughs) 
I'd use a quote that's probably also relevant to this in a presentation this week. And it's, um, if you don't know where you're going, every road will take you there. It's from Alice in Wonderland. And in human behavior, you know, the moment people realize they're lost, they tend to speed up. You're supposed to slow down or stop, right? I was going to say, these are all really, I think, good and insightful quotes to keep in mind. I think a lot of times there is either a weak uh, North Star vision, like we're talking about. Sometimes that vision is there. But I think the tendency in the day-to-day for different operating teams is to start to get focused on what you're actually executing on more in the trenches. And so it's easy to start coming from a place where even though you have some of this vision strategy stuff mapped out, it's been a month or two and you're working with your team and you go into it with some of these assumptions of we need to execute on this to achieve our vision. And you maybe have uh, another team like partnerships or sales or marketing. They're thinking the same thing. But their how is different because they're trying to execute on different things. And if you don't reestablish that common ground, then it's easy to just be in this place of kind of antagonism because you're both thinking about very different applications, even if you might have a similar North Star. I'd say that's actually kind of the situation that I'm dealing with a little bit right now is that I'm actually like kind of doing a, a project to I'll kind of call it rediscover, unearth the mission and vision of, you know, spec it where we're at. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It's just that like if I, I went on a, I'll call it a crusade of, as you will, to, to, to talk to every different department lead over the last like week and a half and just ask them, what do you think the mission and vision is? What do you think it is? And I got 10 different answers, right? I got people telling us that eventually we should become a VR company. <laughs> I had other people telling us we're a tool that helps you learn tools. And I had other people tell us to crush learning management systems. And it's like, whoa, no wonder we're all working on different things and have different priorities. It's because we all don't have the same outcome that we want to achieve. You know, I think that's actually, and there's a, a funny point of this where I think just as a note for like product and like being a self-starter, I kind of was going through this process trying to figure it out so I could do planning. And I was like, well, who owns this? Like, what's, what's the role? It's like, well, if it's a product vision thing and you're a product leader, suck it up, let's do it. Let's, let's start discovering that. And that's been the, you know, the process that I've been on, but you know, overall, I'm kind of curious, Kevin, if, yeah, if you've seen something similar where like that missing alignment drives the conflict that's down below. Yes. And no, there, I, Yes. <laughs> in, in, as, as a flat out answer, um, I would say there there are some scenarios that I've been a part of where the mission is absent, right? And no one's talking about how we grow in, in the vision. And yes, everyone's working. It's typically the smaller startups that are more chaotic where you're trying to do anything to essentially get revenue, um, which doesn't really have a direction. You know, there's a general direction, but it's not spoken about or written down, right? And in some cases that... Um, sometimes works, but I very rarely have seen that work. Um, well, it, it gets to the point where I've done similar, something similar to you, Lou is kind of lead those discussion brainstorming sessions to kind of align on what this thing is. And usually it's, it's like a, a walkabout you do with the CEO, right? The CEO is kind of responsible for the vision mission of the company. If they're not kind of vocalizing that in the way that they need to, they're essentially failing at the job, right? Like the whole job is to motivate a whole team of people to go and execute against the vision. And like, how do you do that if you don't know where to point them to. And so part of that is like helping them understand the importance of what a vision mission is and why, you know, it's a decision framework that each department uses in order to move the business forward and then getting them on board, working them and having them take a pass at it while using the department leads as stakeholders to contribute their expertise. So in that 
aspect I've seen, you know, some variations. Now, where I've seen it most commonly is where the vision and mission is stated, but the execution is where the misalignment is. And so the growth pattern or the way we grow is misaligned. One thinks it's sales-led. One thinks it's product-led. One thinks it's marketing-led. One thinks it's through acquisition. One thinks it's through engagement. And so when we get to the strategic misalignments, I find that a little bit more difficult than the more vision mission um, uh, misalignments. I'd agree with that. And I'd say, you know, that's a, it's a hard point because oh, you're talking about those brainstorming exercises, which is exactly what we've been doing, right? And pulling over the old company decks and looking at, you know, the state of mission and vision. We were going to do a thing recently where we were going to look at all of the different directions we could go Miro chart them out, sales led growth, product led growth, different market verticals we could go in, et cetera. And, you know, the thing that comes down to it at the end of the day is just the scalability factor. It's like, is the juice worth the squeeze if we invest in this particular area? And I think that's one of those areas that product can really help solve, right? Your goal is to look at marketing, your goal is to look at sales, your goal is to look at the product, the finance, the business model, and ultimately, help the business make that determination that, oh yeah, if we invest in this strategically, the juice will be worth the squeeze at the end. We're going to get a return on investment. And that's actually kind of part of the exercise that that we're doing. I think that's one thing that people don't do often enough is, you know, as you said, like if different departments are fighting over different directions, like when was the last time we all pulled all those ideas into a single area and just looked at them and said, yeah, this is worth it or it's not. So there's, there's a couple of things. It seems like I, I'm curious to get your take Taj, but one is, is, um, you know, how do we convince others of a certain path? And then the other is like aligning on the path we all deem to be quote unquote the the right path how do you do that i'll answer like the second one first because to go right off of what you're talking about lou that north star i think you know there's there's sort of this this vision of where you want to end up and then there's it's helpful to have a, a measurement of what does that look like commonly called throughput if you've read ellie goldratt's the goal or so i can give an example i used to work in an acupuncture school long ago it needed to go through some turnaround it, it was not doing well and spent a lot of time with the the president kind of teasing out like but what is it we really do here we're not just putting people through this program we're not just producing graduates we're, we need people to be able to graduate and pass their national and state licensing exams so that they can go into practice but we need them to not only do that, to go into practice and to stay in practice, they need to be successful. We landed at we we produce successful practitioners, um, you know, of acupuncture, and a lot of the things were out of our control, but we had to do our best to help them. So we introduced an entrepreneurship class because if you're going to be in private practice, you need to know how to to do that. You need to know how to market it, how to run a business. These are not things required, you know, to graduate, but they're required for the throughput. Because if we were spending, if we weren't producing throughput. It was going to be a waste. People were going to eventually figure out, I'm not going there because all their graduates are <laughs> doing other things, right? And, and then it just became a mantra to produce successful practitioners. And that became a test for whatever we were doing. Like, does this take us closer or further away from successful practitioners? Yeah, so that was simple. Now, the other piece, 
thinking around storytelling, going back to situations to overcome. If if you've identified situations and desired outcomes, that's a story. A situation plus a, a strategy to overcome the situation plus an outcome, that's the formula. That's the three-line or the three-part narrative of any story. The one I commonly use is when an, uh, when an orphan who happens to live with their uncle suddenly finds, you know, the, the magical key to the world's salvation or destruction in their hands. They want to get rid of it so that it stays out of the wrong hands. That's Harry Potter. That's Star Wars. That's The Wizard of Oz. It's oddly specific, but it's actually very universal. You can tell any anything as just this. It's an epic. It's a, it's a whole movie that can play out. Because beyond those three lines, beyond that big arc, you have all these wrinkles, and that's what makes the story interesting. Now, our job is product managers is to keep that story as boring as possible. We don't want wrinkles and complications. There is kind of a, a point to that, which is, uh, I used it when trying to convince people, and it's like, if you're talking to somebody, they, the saying goes, if it's your opinion versus my opinion, my opinion wins. If it's your facts versus my opinion, your facts will win. And that's, you know, the way that I think everybody wants to look at it in business. And when I was doing pitch decks for startups, I used to write them in a way where everything was so imbibed with fact that you could not refute it. And that was my smoke test for when I was trying to convince somebody of something. How airtight is every point that I'm making? Is it my opinion, I think, I feel, or is it the truth of what the market is telling us? Is it real data backed up by real sources? And if that's the case, then it works. Well, so I noticed you said truth. Truth and facts are different. Truth is is a, a narrative. It's a it's a, a framework in our minds of how things work um, to explain the facts that we can see. But it's only from a perspective. And you can two people can have the same facts but different perspectives and come up with different truths. That's just what my mind jumped to. Is perspective is really important. Facts do matter. Truths, in a sense, matter as well. I think some uh, one of the keys to effective storytelling is to anticipate perspective as best you can, depending on who you're telling a story to. So anticipate your audience. Think about the conclusions they would make based on where they're coming from, like the truths that, that are evident to them. So again, if you're working with a like a marketing or sales team, the things that enable them to be successful are going to be different than the things that maybe on product or engineering you're focusing on. And so you have to kind of work backwards from that and address their concerns. Um, and ideally, as much as facts can be helpful, humans are still emotional creatures. And I think the most effective stories are ones that also appeal to emotion. And so I found if you can appeal a little bit to the emotion of success based on the perspective of a given team, and then pair that with some facts that help back it up, it can be very, very powerful. It sounds like the the indisputable of what you can be, what you could lead with in a lot of these um, conflicts or or uh, pitches or what have you is is really leading with the problem. The problem is kind of fixed, right? Um, or at least um, what we perceive to be the problem that we're solving, right? Like that is something that I think we can align on or at least come to a common language with. And then if we come to a common language with the problem, then we can start to talk about solutions. But I think in terms of you know, being the product leader in the room, being flexible and malleable and not so rigid with the solutions and being more rigid with the problem and making, putting the solutions through the rigor of, you know, does it, does it solve for the problem or not? And then that is kind of where you say where this journey goes with the, your perspective and your truth. How does that actually align and solve for the problem? Then you have some sort of like, well, does it solve for it more or not? 
and, and what solves for it better. And then you have something that is common language to talk about, even though the perspectives are different. Um, the other thing I think there is that one thing that really I know that I'm impacted by is if you're a passionate person, which I feel like a lot of product people are <laughs> and talk a lot or get very excited. I always, now I'm trying to like do my best to notice when I do that and to like pause and, and just like, even though like a lot of folks find that infectious when you're talking with most, most executives and, and cross departmental leads they are less interested in the passion and excitement and they're more interested in those uh, problem facts and how you got to the thing that you are most excited about. And so that is a new learning for me that I've had recently that I'm trying to do my best to really just use that as a trigger to slow down the communication, slow down the thought process. And even though I want to get this out, it's like, come on, you know, I just, I'm so excited about it. And I want to talk to you about it. If I'm not prepared and I could, I could completely crash and burn. And I've run into so many times where I have crashed and burned because I can't articulate it well enough or haven't taken the time to prepare for that type of an argument or, or discussion or excitement. And so um, that is one thing I would would want to impart on this uh, this week is to uh, use that as a trigger part to trigger point to, to slow down. I actually have that as a sticky note on, on my monitor right here. It says slow down. And it also says stay curious. That's another one. We can go into that in a different time, but sounds like sounds like if we were to like summarize it up, we would probably say, okay, if we're talking about convincing somebody in these situations where it's head to head, the first part is make sure you've got good top down alignment, right? Are we all are we all heading toward the same goal? Because if we're differing about what the goal is, that's a problem. Versus if we're differing about the execution of the goal. And then if we're differing about the execution, we can drop down into our ability to search and kind of craft that that story about facts versus opinions and really see if we can lead them there see if we can lead them there and as kevin's point all the way down kind of going more is still just the ability to stay to not just be reactive and forward and forceful but to be listening and really think before you put your your opinions out there make sure you're considering all of those perspectives when you do answer if we do that it sounds like we can tell a good story hardest thing to do <laughs> think before you speak <laughs> come on <laughs> we have a podcast oh, for god's sakes no <laughs> <laughs> there's uh you know and so because there's there's got to be room for improv absolutely uh, still yeah. jazz yeah. to it it you know and it's it's also having um hearing your piece uh about the passion and needing to maybe tone it down it reminds me of way back when i was in college taking some communications class or american studies class and was talking about urban legend there are elements to the story that are durable that just carry through. I mean, my kid was telling me something I'm like, geez, that's the same thing some kid told me when I was in fifth grade. That legend is intact because it has some durable elements that people don't get wrong in the game of telephone. And if you can construct some of those, like what's a thing that whatever medium it's in, however passionately said or however monotone somebody is when they talk about it, this still comes through. And I, I can't say I know how to do that, but boy, if you can figure that out. So let's wrap it up here and, and assign some homework to our listeners. Um, if I were to give a piece of homework for the, the listeners this week, I would say do your best to, to be thoughtful in your arguments and, and, and try to um, 
do almost like a pre-mortem to these discussions um, as they come up and make sure that you talk through the scenarios, think through this before you um, jump into a conversation like that so that you're more prepared. And so maybe if I were to summarize that as just preparedness, get get really good at that, um, especially on the topics that matter. Something tactically you can do is tell the story of success from the other team's point of view. Write up a couple of paragraphs about the story, the situation, the actions, and the outcome from marketing or sales or the other team's perspective. Get really clear on that and then use that to adapt your argument and make sure that you're covering and addressing those points and ideally harmonizing with them as much as possible. But that will help you specifically be ready for some of the things that are likely to come up in that conversation. I go back to the that, that negotiation piece of like drawing out the situations and the motivations so that if, if when you're presenting, you can explain to someone the situation they're in better than they can explain it, they're going to trust that much more whatever you have to say after that. Because they know you have not misunderstood. What is that mirroring and confirmation, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Labeling, yeah. Labeling, <laughs> mirroring, yeah. yeah. Chris Voss. Love it. That's a good book. Never split the difference. Yeah. Well, uh, um, it looks like uh, we finished up our coffee. So thank you all for being here and uh, go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover, and who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.